Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. To the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2. I'm Jared Kimber, and today we're going to be talking about England's win against the West Indies in a biosecure cricket bubble, and how Stuart Broad became the third quick bowler to 500 test wickets. So we'll have our own quick Steve Harmison in to tell us just how unlikely that is, but we'll also look at Ben Stokes, Jason Holder, and some other players who were not all rounders from this series. But we'll focus on England and who won this t- who won this series after being one nil down in the first match. This is the Croker. Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. But there's only one place to start. Stuart Broad has just taken his 500th test wicket and made the breakthrough England wanted this morning. Lovely little piece of bowling to the right-handed Craig Brathwaite. The ball nipping back in, kept a bit low, hit Brathwaite on the back leg. Plum in front of middle stump. Absolutely no doubt about it as far as the umpire was concerned. Great celebrations considering there's no crowd in the ground, but Broad reaches 500. The West Indies 45 for three. It's obviously a pretty ridiculous achievement um, to, you know, to get 500 and he's obviously kicked him some handy runs in this test match as well, which is nice to see. So, um, yeah, he's bowling really well at the minute and uh, yeah, hopefully we keep grabbing him the he knew exactly when to seize the moment and he did it. And for me, that's why he has to play it because he's a match winner. You're listening to the Cricket Collective. I'm Jared Kimber, and with me is Steve Harmison, who, to be fair, I'm not sure what would have had to go right for you, Harmy, to get up to 500 wickets. Would you like <laughs> to take us through the list of the oh. things you might have had to change? Diet, lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I tell you what, what a fantastic achievement. Um, I was asked to have a look at some stuff from from Stuart, and I remember the the little baby face assassin came back in, uh, came into the dressing room uh, from Leicester in uh, Colombo, won it first Test match, 
Um, and I've got the scorecard up in, in front of me here. He bowled 36 overs, five maidens, one for 95 in that first test match. Um, and I knew he was going to do great things because I thought, yeah, at the age he was, that eighteen-year-old, there was there was something special coming with him. Bear in mind, Jared, it was the it was the start of twenty twenty when he first mm. really hit the headlines, bowling down the hill at Grace Road, um, and Leicester had a had a good side at that time. Um, uh, Jeremy Snape, Darren Maddy, they, they got the finals there quite a bit, and this young, long blonde-haired locks came into a one-day white ball side. But then he came into the test test match arena and uh, he's never looked back. And I'm over the moon for him because I know we've got a few people that are really close to him, Matt Pryor especially, who is... Uh, part of the Talksport uh, two team for the for the for the commentary, uh, who was really close to him. But uh, you know, this this kid, I had no doubt that he was going to perform when he got to Manchester because when he went on air in Southampton and started saying, you know, he was disappointed, he was upset, and then Ben Stokes says, yes, he had to say the party line that he was hungry to uh, to perform. He still wanted, and he didn't mind that. There was no doubt Stuart Broad was going to perform in this test match. And uh, I'm really pleased for him. He's, uh, he's been a credit and a fantastic ambassador for, the, for this great game in, in England. It does tell you what a weird world we've entered when it comes to cricket. Um, I, you know, one of the things I say quite often about Stuart Broad is perhaps other than Harbhajan Singh, I can't think of another 400-plus test wicket-taker who gets left out of the side as much as Broad. Yeah. And now you've got... Uh, he's a 500-test wicket-taker, and yet uh, 15 minutes ago he wasn't there. It's, it's such a bizarre world we live in that someone like Stuart Broad isn't playing in every game. It isn't, but I think that's probably down to why he's been making his mouth go and why a lot of us that have know Stuart and have got arguably a cricket brain to say uh, we've got to get away from this Broad and Anderson comparison. You know, there's, there's four years between the two. And the four years between the two is Jimmy Anderson at the same age as Stuart Broad has taken 130 test wickets you know, to the age that he's at now in that four-year difference. Now, that's that's... That's more than Chris Wokes has got in his whole career. <laughs> Chris Wokes has just took five for 50 in a test match to win the game. And everybody's talking about Chris Wokes as not as a veteran, but somebody who's been around a long, long time. That's how, how long Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson have been together. But you know, unfortunately, I think that's the biggest frustration that Stuart Broad's got at this moment in time. I think that's why he went on TV to vent his frustration at not being selected down at Southampton to say, you know what? Jimmy Anderson is nearly 38. I'm only 34. And there's a lot more there's a lot more life in me yet. And I tell you what, I'm gonna go and prove it. And in these last two weeks, he's done that and he's got five hundred test wickets. And Kirtley, uh, sorry, Courtney Walsh, Glenn McGrath, Jimmy Anderson, the only ones I've seen bowling that's got more than that. I tell you what, that's a fantastic career. Uh, it certainly is. And this is Darren Goff, who was uh, talking earlier today on, on the drive about Stuart Broad and uh about his doubters. Oh, dear me, he had to have proved, but he's still good enough. Being left, if those selectors don't dare text me and tell me you were all a plan to leave Broad out that first test, you left him out because they didn't think he was good enough. They thought he was the weak link in that team. Not to motivate him. Not to motivate him. Not the first match of the summer when they've just had five months off. No. They made a mistake, realised it, brought him in for the second test, then decided to rest Anderson. Um, and since he's come back in, he's, he's been outstanding. Because of what has happened, I, I, you know, off the back of what Goffey just said, because of what has happened in the next couple of tests with Broad, it's become almost the 
the first thing that we're thinking about now, this sort of rotation, uh, we talk about it, it's a, it's a baseball idea, really, the way that baseball pitches are used. You have like a platoon of bowlers and you bring them in for different conditions and from different opposition. Uh, but because of the way that we've always played cricket, we kind of always think that the best team has to play all the time. So it's these two different things are sort of clashing when it comes to Stuart Broad at the moment. Yeah, but I think when you when you look at it that when you put it in that context, Jared, you're looking at the balance of your attack. And the problem I, I think that Stuart had at Southampton is why is it always Broad and Anderson? Why is it not you know, why aren't we looking at someone like Jimmy? And I think you take Jimmy in the context of he's got 586 test match wickets. And you're you're putting Stuart in the same pigeonhole and saying, well, we can't play them both in the same time side. Actually, they should be saying is that, well, we might have to leave Jimmy out here. They're frightened to leave Jimmy out. They don't want to leave Jimmy out. So why is it Stuart that keeps getting left out? So I can understand his frustration. If it's away from home, I can understand. I don't think both of them can play in the same side. But Stuart has carried this bowling attack. And Jared, you've been with us over in what the Caribbean. You know, we were out in you out in Sri Lanka when he didn't get a game there um, for Talksport too. You, we're looking and thinking. Well, we need a different balance to our attack. So why is it Stuart that keeps getting left out? And I think that's what his frustration was, and that's what he's probably trying to say in Southampton. Flip side that, though, Jared, I would imagine there's quite a few bowlers. If I was the likes of Archer and Mark Wood and Sam Curran and uh, even Chris Wokes, who's played in this test match, I might have been a little bit upset by what Stuart Broad was saying because, you know, the, it, it, what you're trying to say about me, you know, you sh you're having a go at me saying that I'm not good enough because I sh you should be... Stuart Broad should be in this side and not me sort of thing so I think there's a there's a fine balance to where that was taken um, I'm pleased he's performed because of I think he's got over that that milestone but I still think when it comes to the grand scheme uh, the grand scheme of things in England it's fine I think you can play Wokes Anderson, Broad, Archer, like they did, and potentially not play the spinner because you've got Ben Stokes. I still think you could play that sort of attack. But if Stuart Broad was left out at Southampton, which if rumours were right, that it was because we are trying to build for an Ashes series in a couple of years' time, and we don't believe that this bowling attack can go, then all of a sudden... Jimmy Anderson's place might be up on offer because Stuart Broad is saying, well, I want to be in that team because I personally, as much as I love them both, I still think, and you know, you're a native Australian, on them sort of pitches, I still think England might need more firepower than Broad and Anderson. Definitely. I mean, the thing about Broad is, we've seen over the last couple of years, I mean, these tests he's been bringing against right-handers, but up until recently, he was dominating left-handers and struggling a little bit against the right-handers. Australia, I mean, I don't know what it is about Australian batsmen, but it seems they've always got about six left-handers in the top order. It, it, it is you know, ridiculous to me to think that Stuart Broad won't be playing in that first test, being that he's been so good, and he still is fairly fast and very tall. So he's, he should suit Australian conditions, perhaps even more than Anderson. Absolutely. And Jimmy, and I didn't realise this until uh, we did the Follow and Odd podcast. And by the way, as soon as I can bring that Follow and Odd podcast up, I'll stand in your shoes. Congratulations on the birth of... Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Of, ...of the child. And yeah, I hope everything is as well in the uh, the Kimber family. Um, I, had, I had broad 
missing out the first test match and Anderson in it. But I hadn't done my homework as much as John Norman, who said Jimmy averages 70, over 70 at the Gabba. So it might be Broad and Anderson, uh, sorry, Broad instead of Anderson, alongside uh, an Archer and Wood type or a, a two quick bowler type when they go to Australia. I still believe the two of them should go to Australia because I think you need the experience that they've got. And I think they've proved over the course of the last the last sort of few few weeks that England have got a variety of bowlers and I think they'll be right to use them all in you know, in, a, in a series rather than just pigeonhole and say, right, this is how to go. I understand what Goffey's saying there. You, know, you pick your best bowlers, but when you look at the series and how crammed they're going to get in and after this pandemic, it's going to be even more condensed. I think England's pool of bowlers at this minute in time, it's going to take a strong selection panel management, strong management and a strong leader to say, right, you're not playing for the benefit of the team but we believe this is the best bowling attack to take on and get 20 wickets in this test match on this surface and if they do that, I think England have got a good chance of going to Australia with a little bit of confidence. Well, we're talking about the future and we're talking about Stuart Broad, so here is Stuart Broad on the future. I'm 34 now but I feel like I'm bowling as well as I ever have Done. I've done some technical work and changed my run-up in the last 18 months. And, uh, yeah, I'm not someone who sets targets. You know, I never said I really want to get 500 wickets or 600 wickets, anything like that. I'm, I'm someone who uh, looks pretty short-term. Uh, but at the moment, I feel fresh. I feel fit. Uh, I'm bowling how I want to be bowling, bringing the outside edge of the, the batsman into play, bringing the slips into play, but also LBW and Bold being a big dismissal of mine. So, you know, we, we, we bowl for one reason, one reason only, and that's to take wickets that can help secure Test match wins and Test series wins. And uh, it, it's a great feeling sat here, knowing that I've come into an attack that's had an influence on us winning this Test series, because uh, we've bowled brilliantly as a unit. Uh, everyone's played their part, and it's a very happy changing room right now. That was Stuart Broad. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. Still to come, myself and Steve Harmison will continue to look back on England's victory at Old Trafford. Uh, well, there are a couple of victories at Old Trafford. Uh, and as they start to show more promising signs with the bat. Joseph in right arm over. That's a lovely shot from Rory Burns. Pushed through mid-off all along the floor and it will run away for another boundary. I've always been under pressure to keep scoring. Um, I've always felt like that Surrey um, before test level and I, you know, I feel like it in the same way, um, you know, run the currency. So keep trying to put up numbers and, and keep trying to impress those sorts of things. And, you know, obviously learning on the job a little bit, um, you know, you go to different places that you haven't been before um, and you try and take lessons from from people around you and, and try to learn uh, as much as you can. So, um, yeah, I suppose to a certain extent that there is a point of feeling settled, but I think it's also a dangerous position to pick, so I think you want to keep scoring runs as much as you can. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. As you heard there, Rory Burns was again in the runs in the third test as England recorded their first opening partnership of 400 runs at home for the first time in four years. Harmi... They are making runs at the top of the order. It feels weird to follow English cricket and see that. It does, yeah, and I think it's uh, it's great to see. It gives you know that that explosive middle order that I think the selectors want, i.e., Stokes, Pope, Butler, um, and whether it's the the you know. 
Bess or a Wokes, it gives them a little bit of freedom down the order if Burns and Sibley bat, you know, for a, you know, a reasonable time at the top. And I think if in England, especially against the Duke Bowl, 250s uh, in a test match, and I think you can leave the test venue thinking, you know, I've done my job for the team. You know, everybody wants test match hundreds and, you know, they don't come around too often, but I think Rory Burns can leave can leave Manchester thinking, you know what, fe- oh, sorry, feeling, um, I've, uh, I've had a good week, you know, a 57 and a, and a 90, uh, especially setting up a, a declaration. I think he can, uh, he can feel proud by the, the, the efforts he's had this week. And I think put another, yeah, cement his place that little bit more because I think it was, it was close anyway. You know, we ha- we've struggled in opening, partners for Alistair Cook then Alistair Cook leaves and you know, Rory, Rory Burns he's averaging mid 30s and it's not it's not a huge average but where we've been over the course of the last five six years trying to find opening batsmen it was it was good enough and it was acceptable uh, now I think hopefully that confidence of, of these 250s in this game might just sort of that raise that level a little bit more. And hopefully Rory Burns can raise the average getting closer to 40 and in excess 40 and hopefully cement his place for, for a long time to come because we mentioned Australia and we always do, Jared, you know, hmm. in England. We always talk about the Ashes, whether it's coming over here or going over there and you're always building for it. And what you need is to have a little bit of momentum. Dom Sibley's had... You know, a relatively good series. Yeah, openers will always get out early in England against the Duke Ball. He did that in the first innings. He gets fifty. He gets fifty in the second innings. He got a hundred. Um, a hundred the other day. So, you know, in an ideal world, England have got to hope that in the next sort of sixteen, eighteen months, that these two are England's two opening batsmen, and they can both get to Australia with some form under their belt because like we've seen many times before if you're going to be successful in England uh, sorry in Australia you have to get over that new ball and uh, these two look as though they're, they're, they're quite comfortable at absorbing the ball which will nullify the cooker ball when they go over there which doesn't expose that middle order because when England's middle order get exposed the ball moving um, they're, in, they're in real real trouble yeah, I think the most interesting thing for me is how well Rory Burns handled Kemar Roach. Kemar Roach is essentially the best bowler in the world when it comes to left-handers. I think he was averaging something like 13 against them coming into this series. And England basically said, we're just going to hang in there and we're going to show a lot of patience. Weirdly enough, I mean, Rory Burns has, has, you know, has shown, I think, a few times now in Test cricket, even against some fairly average spinners like Roston Chase, that he struggles against the spin a little bit. But against someone like Kemar Roach, who's been all over some very quality batsmen from around the world, I think that's when it showed that he is definitely of test match level and it's that's a tough level to be in at the moment there's a lot of good bowlers in the world that you come across absolutely my only my only thing with Rory Burns and here's one for you as the statistician um, I find Rory it's not a case of where, how Rory Burns gets out for me it's the time he gets out <laughs> I, I see Rory Burns getting out it's sort of 58 minutes past going into a drinks break on the hour. I see him getting out the over or two overs before lunch or the two overs after lunch. It seems for me with Rory, it's a, it's a concentration thing. It's, I've met it. 
it's like it's it's like a, a it's like a club cricketer getting out trying to slog a six after he's got fifty. He's had an applause, he's raised his bat, and then all of a sudden he he slogs one up in the air. I find Rory Burns has getting out whether it's it's something that he needs to work on or something that I'm just picking up on. But I've seen him get out quite a number of times, especially against spin, that it's just before a break or just after a break, i.e. a drinks break or a, a lunch or tea interval. Um, and that's the only thing for me. And if that's the biggest fault I can find, then I think he's got a chance because he's spending an hour at the crease as an opening batsman getting through the drinks and then just losing his concentration a little bit. It's something he, 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 he might be something that's there, might not be. But I think this kid's got a chance, along with Sibley. And I think if they can find that number three, Crawley's, we've seen a sample size of him. Um, I think it was right to bring Crawley back in, uh, back in and give him the chance because when you've got somebody of 24 and 34 of a similar ability, you'd hope that the, the, the 24-year-old might... You know, get himself a little bit better and better educated and kick on that a little bit more. And I think Crawley was right to come in at number three, which then gives, obviously, Root to go back down to number four. But if you can give the middle order of Pope, Stokes and Butler a chance of tired bowlers, older ball, then it goes back to somebody we're going to get get on later on and talk about Stuart Broad. That team in the sort of late 2000s and then you know, the 2010, 11, 12 was so strong because Cook, Strauss and Trot absorbed the ball so much to give the likes of Peterson, you know, Stokes himself, Matt Pryor, Graham Swan, Graham, Stuart Broad, a license to take the game away from, from teams with the bat. And I think that's where England have got to hopefully try and get back to. The one negative probably with the batting, and it's not a massive negative, is still sort of what happens with Joss Butler. He mm. made some runs in that uh, in that last test. Uh, even when he's made runs at times in this series, he still hasn't looked particularly on, on top of it. Uh, you talk about the explosiveness. Uh, Joss Butler's strike rate is 58 in test cricket. And it doesn't look like he's about to, you know, massively push that up. Is there still, is there going to be calls perhaps if he fails a little bit against Pakistan again for him to be dropped, do you think? I think there's got to be questions whether it's calls to be dropped. There seems to be this thing to have Josh Butler in the England dressing room seems to be huge. He seems to be more beneficial for them off the field than he is on the field having this this character around. He's a sounding board. It looks as though he's a good sounding board for the captain. Uh, he's a good guy to have around. And I think England are desperate. At the, look, Jared, nobody wants him to succeed more than me. I think the I think the world of the kid and I want the kid to succeed because I can see there's there's huge natural ability in there. But there's got to come a time where that goes then the record's got to come into it and then the the stats are they're not looking great. He's 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 won test match hundred. He's batted at five, he's batted at six, he's batted at seven. They've tried him a little bit higher. Um I go back to Johnny Bairstow averaging thirty five Batting at number seven, got five ten, test match hundreds. I, I remember that guy. Yeah, and, and and I struggled to understand why what he did wrong. If Johnny Besto was given the chance that Joss Butler, the the license that Joss Butler had, I think you know Johnny Besto would have scored more more international runs. But I can understand them wanting to try and give him a chance. I'll I'll let him off in this test series because I think what is he? He's batted five times. And I mm -hmm. think three of the three of the five times he's gone in in a in a selfless way, you know. In the the second Test match, both innings at Manchester, he had to go in and 
and, and play for the team as in we're trying to get you know trying to get move on trying to get going so for me I, I I give him a free hit on that one he came in in this test match got 67 but a long long time 100 and 100 and odd balls 140 balls there's something there I just think I just find with Joss he gets between a, a rock and a hard place on how he wants to play in one day cricket in white ball cricket it's a stand there I pick me bat up I see it coming at me and I hit it straight back back where it's come from in test match cricket it doesn't seem as though he, he has an idea of what he wants to do or the game plan he wants to go down and by the time he sort of gets to the middle and works it out he's been worked out and he's been either knocked over um, or there's just even more pressure that's going on him uh, so times the, the jury's still out on that one I think we all want Joss to do well but unfortunately it's it's there's more and more times that's going by there's still there's still a question mark there but I think if we if he can score some runs it'll be it'll be huge for that dressing room because it just seems the selection panel the coaching staff and more importantly the captain and the vice captain want him in that side and it just seems as though Johnny Bairstow Ben Folkes I don't think, for me, he would be in the equation, but Johnny Besto especially, it seems he's either done something wrong or his face doesn't fit and he's been eased aside because uh, they'd rather have Josh Butler there. Bowlers, let's go into those a little bit. Uh, Australia has Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins. New Zealand has Bolt, Wagner, Southie. Uh, there is uh, Roach, Holder, Gabriel, have, as we've just seen. India mm. have Boomer, Shamsi, Ishant. England's strength up until very recently was basically all-rounders. And it's still kind of all-rounders because they've still got Curran Wokes to go with uh, Ben Stokes. And Moen Ali, uh, hopefully, is not that far away. But suddenly, with Wood, Archer, Broad, Anderson, uh, perhaps, you know, someone like uh, Ollie Stone, uh, not too far away, some, and some very skillful bowlers out there as well. Um, uh, or did I, I don't think I mentioned Wokes um, on, in that particular list. Suddenly, England has an incredible stable of, what, five, six bowlers who are all clearly international quality. Absolutely, Jared. And the, the, but it's, it's who the player, where they play them and what they play them on. That seems to be the conundrum for England. Uh, Broad has said what he said at Southampton, got himself back in the team. Is it, was it media pressure? Was it you know, the, the fact that he went out and spoke? Was it the the plan that Stuart probably knew that, that he was going to be playing at Old Trafford whenever he got there? So he went out there and put either put some pressure on himself. Uh, who knows? But I think in England, with the Duke ball, I don't think England have got an issue. Not one issue. I think it's when you go overseas, maybe to the subcontinent, you potentially have to play two spinners, which we haven't got. Um, where we go to Australia when we play on a, on a wicket which is a little bit more uh, bat, batsman friendly uh, have we got the firepower I think we're starting to get that I can name three or four fast bowlers as well as Wood and Archer um, and I think then it comes down to the selectors picking the right squad with, with the right ball on the right surface to take 20 wickets and I think that will always be the, the issue the fact that Broad and Anderson can't play work from home, I, I think there is an element that, but I don't think it's as, it's as big as what the likes of the TV commentators, Nasser Hussain's big on, I don't think they can play, and I think Michael Atherton says exactly the same thing. I think a lot of that is down to we haven't had a batting unit to give them the chance to get enough runs to um, to for them to, to play and to perform. So 
Time will tell. The embarrassment of riches of bowlers we've got, I think, is fine in this country with the Duke ball. I don't believe that it's as strong playing with the Kookaburra ball um, in the sub in the, the Southern Hemisphere. But I think if you're winning matches, and it's huge confidence builder, if you're winning matches and you're going into series off the back of winning a series, then it gives players a confidence and the momentum that goes with it. And it also affects the opposition that you play with because they also think you know, who we're playing against, how well they're bowling. So there is an element from that. So I think we still have to work on when we're away from home. But at home at this moment in time, I think England can play three from six and still be a great shout to win and taking 20, uh, 20 test match wickets. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a, a very good um, home attack, but I think there's a, there's a few signs that it might be able to travel as well. We are in an incredible era of bowlers, which should be pointed out as well. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Next up, we're going to discuss the tourists and just how big a role they played in this series. Well, at least 50% of it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. So Ruston chases in again. Whoops, Holder on strike on 198, short and pulled out towards deep mid. Wicket and it's gone for four, 
who hopefully decides to get after him, and he does it beautifully. Pesto waits with his bat raised in this almost baseball style, and this again, he's played on as well! Roach has got another! New over begins from Kemar Roach, what a spell! He's got another one! You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with myself, Jared Kimber, and Steve Harmison, and it's now time to look at the performance of the visitors, the West Indies, who sacrificed so much to get to this series in the first place. I was pretty strong, Harmy, on the fact that I didn't think the series should have gone ahead. I haven't really changed that. But the fact that the West Indies did come out here, uh, I mean, there is, the death toll in the UK is higher than some of the islands that these kids come from. So you can understand why some of them didn't want to come out here. But it's a huge thing uh, for them to be able to come out here and, uh, you know, put put this series on. Yeah, and it's... And as, as much as it, this program's gone for what 36 minutes now, and uh, I didn't want to go, against, I didn't want to go against our producer by saying how good it was at the start on how much credit these guys uh, deserve, because putting to one side, yeah, everything that's going on in the world, and coming over and isolating yourself in a hotel room on a cricket ground. And going and doing, like you mentioned before, you know the, the death toll and the size of countries they've come from. I think that, for me, far outweighs how much any runs anybody's got, any wickets anybody's got, and what the series score was. This is a phenomenal gesture by the West Indies, and I think Pakistan have done the same. Um, and I think to get cricket being played, even in empty stadiums, and there's been a lot of talk about it would have been great for a full stadium to see Stuart Broad get his, his 500 test match wicket, and it would have been but just for to, for sports fans to see live sport on TV or listen to it on the radio, I think that is a, that's hats off to the 22 guys that go out there at Southampton and twice at Manchester and I think you know, they've been led perfectly by their captain as always, I think he is a I think he's getting more and more impressive every time he does take the field as as the West Indian captain. Um, and I think circumstances beat them. I think the circumstances, three test match in three three weeks, that didn't go didn't didn't go down well for them. I think if it had been over five weeks, and they could have gotten a rest into the likes of Gabriel, Holder, Roach, um, Alzari Joseph. I think, might, I wouldn't say it would have been a different series, but I think they would have been a lot more competitive uh, when it comes down to, to the, the, the bowling department because I think it looked as though they started off brilliantly and then they got tired as they went along because they didn't seem to have the pool of players that England had to choose from. Um, so circumstances, I think, beat them in that aspect. But, you know, forget about them not, retaining or winning the Wisdom Trophy. I think the huge amount of credit to the West Indies for even contemplating coming over and playing while the world is the way we're living in at this moment in time. And the fact that they did come over and beat, I think, where England are ranked third, I think, in the world, and West Indies were ranked seventh. Uh, you know, it's a huge thing to come and win away from home. Not, there aren't that many teams that win away from home. Well, what were your thoughts on the, on the first test? Because I mean, it always looked like there was... They were, I wouldn't say luck. I don't think that's the right way of putting it. But I think a lot of things went right for the West Indies yeah. in that first test, which which is how you win tests away from home, to be fair. I think what you had in that first test match, when you when you look back at it, no Joe Root is huge for England. Mm. I thought it was massive for England. And I, I stick by what I said. I thought that was the arguably the, the weakest batting unit I have seen England in arguably my lifetime. 
Burns, Sibley, Denley, Crawley, Tech Stokes out, but you know, Pope Butler, the way he's batting, best. That that for me was gettable with the fresh bowlers that the West Indies had, um, and that's what's that's what that's what transpired. I think there's a lot of good things come out of the West Indies cricket. I hope, and I'm sure Phil Simmons will leave the British Isles and go back to the Caribbean Islands and think you know what we've we've unearthed a few well answered a few questions here mm. I think in Blackwood they've got somebody I said this I said this last week Jared on the on the cricket collective with Macca you, you could potentially have a middle session with Blackwood and by the time they get Hetemeyer back and they could lose two wickets and two balls but they could also get 200 in a session because God knows what could happen with the two of them if they got going because they've got something which is West Indian flamboyancy and they've got they've got they've got style they've got you know they've got that something that little bit different and I think on good flat pitches I think there could be uh, a good middle order for the West Indies I think Brooks is a, looks a fantastic player I know he's been around a while but I think he's his stock's gone up I thought he performed well question marks on on Hope and on Campbell um, which will be I mean be we, dis- won't, we won't see dis- Campbell again will yeah we? they'll be disappointed I think the biggest miss they had was Bravo batting mm. at three holding an end down and saying right you lot bat round me and let's have a go um, Brathwaite I thought he was excellent I thought the bowlers, I thought the bowlers were brilliant. I really did. I thought big Shannon Gabriel, three test matches in three weeks to go the way he did, having the injury doubt before coming in. Um, It's huge, Jared. I don't think people can underestimate what it's like to go in, have a not bowl for a long, long time at, at six foot five, trying to bowl at 90 mile an hour day after day after day um, it does take a toll but also the stiffness and the size of the body and trying to get from your mark to, uh, to your crease and, and let go of the ball I thought he I thought he ran in and he gave everything for for the West Indies and you know for me I, I still think Kimar Roach is one of the best bowlers in the world at line and length and if he I can't believe he hasn't played as much county cricket as is, is what he has done because if there's, there's there's a team out there that needs somebody to hit off stump more often than not, with a with a Duke ball, uh, there's not many there's not many uh, better than what Kemar Roach is. So, I just think the 15 days cricket in 22 or 23, what it was, was always going to be a test with the the squad that the the, the West Indies brought. But I thought they've 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 um, they've, they've competed admirably. And I think uh, they've got to go away with uh, a hell of a lot of credit because of uh, a lot of teams wouldn't have come. There's a lot of teams wouldn't have come. There's only, was that three players that didn't want to come? Mm. Um, Fair play to the rest of them that that came over and and, and give it a go. So, you know, the way the world is at this moment in time to give the English supporters what they wanted, which was live cricket and give the ECB what they needed. It wasn't what they wanted. It was what they needed, which was sport being able to play to fulfil contracts. Um, it's, a, it's a huge favour from the West Indies Cricket Board, Johnny Graves and you know, the Islands. And uh, that hasn't got to be... Uh, yeah, the, 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 it, it has to be very, very thankful from the ECB's point of view. It's a very interesting time for West Indies cricket as well because 
you know, with uh, new management has come in, Johnny Graves, uh, but also new chairman, um, a lot of different, uh, Ricky Skerritt and a lot of different people involved. Finally, they are getting their most talented players back on yeah. the pitch. So Nicholas Puran, I mean, you talked about Hetmeyer and Blackwood batting in the middle order together. Nicholas Puran, I think, is still one of the most talented players in the world under the age of 25. If he is still under the age of 25, I have to check it, check that in a minute. But uh, he's only ever played for three first-class games because of how he was treated by um, uh, Trinidad back in the day. And uh, he had a car accident, wasn't treated well by the cricket board and left. And we've seen how many talented players. Uh, you know, Andre Russell has a great first-class record. He hasn't played much cricket, but there was a lot of guys over in the West Indies who, if they'd been treated better, uh, would have played really good or really ha had really good careers. I think we're now in a stage where I think we might start to see the best of them. Uh, pe perhaps, uh, as you said, they probably should have rested either Roach or Gabriel at one stage in this series. Even Holder looked overbold, didn't he? Just looked like they were all running out of steam. And to be fair, Shannon Gabriel on his best day looks like he's running out of steam. His average yeah. over takes about 20 minutes to complete. Yeah, but it's it's three test matches in three weeks. And when you haven't got a massive pool of players that have come over that you trust and they brought some young players over and uh, they've got some experience. Ian Bishop... Um, put a great thing on social media this morning. Can't remember the kid's name, the young bowler. Um, he was talking to Stuart Broad about uh, the way the video looked as though Stuart Broad's follow through and driving his knees forward. And it's like Stuart Broad giving his time, but it's also a young man, 22, 23 year, three year old, going up to Stuart Broad and asking him about you know, the art of fast bowling. And if they're wanting to learn, there's no better place to, to learn or people to learn from than the likes of Stuart Broad. But fingers crossed, you know, the, the, the West Indies. Because I watched a program last night on TV with Mark Butcher, our very own Mark Butcher, and he, he talked about the, the Wisden Trophy and the best team from the Wisden Trophy. Um, 1968, I think it was, the Wisden Trophy, up until now. And the names that from the West Indies point and you see the, some of the, the crowds and see the the enthusiasm and the way that the West Indies played their cricket in the 70s and 80s, you'd just love to get that back because the Caribbean islands were, would have been great places to go and great places to visit. And I sampled it in 2004 and it was a fantastic place to tour on that front and it would be great if they could get back to somewhere close to that because it would be fantastic for world cricket. Uh, definitely. And, and it, it's interesting. It was Keon Harding, I think, the player that That's you were the one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what... There's such a, there's such a sort of um, a way that we talk about West Indies cricketers. We talk about, about them being laid back. But, I, you know, having worked with them um, and ha having a lot of them as friends, they are desperate to try and improve. And you, you listen to someone like Jason Holder. He wants West Indies cricket to be to rise up. And Kyron Pollard, their, their one-day captain, is the same. So hopefully... Uh, they are certainly playing better cricket than they were a few years ago and things are coming together. There's a lot of talented players Jared. there. They're playing together, which gives you a chance. They've got a captain who galvanises islands. He seems as though he's got what's going on at different islands and he can manage the player, people coming in. Because people listen to this and you know, they might not understand what's going on, but the islands are very tribal. And he seems to get the 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 island bringing them together, and that I think is the biggest fundamental to get the West Indies going forward. And if he does that, he's such a good leader. And if he does that, he's got half a chance because the one thing you've we've we've always seen with the West Indies is there's been some talented individuals playing as individuals. If Jason Holder can get them playing as a team. The, the West Indies will be a fantastic unit. And if that's the case, it'll be fantastic for world cricket. 
Definitely. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Jared Kimber, and Steve Harmison. Coming up next, we'll look ahead to the first taste of white ball action this summer as Ireland's Seema Markadair previews the upcoming series against England. Uh, John John Smutson again and Jason Roy goes oh, the yes. biggest one of all yes. crashes onto our commentary box roof Kyo into Batten who's on the pull in a flash and that has been dispatched and dismissed Denley has absolutely nailed this baseball style Babe Ruth style straight down the ground Gidi into him again that's another six he sliced it over backward point that's outrageous how do you do that Moen Ali Oh, that's 76 metres. Stop it. That's at least 90. Here comes Tom Curran, last ball of the game. And it's paddle swept. And down towards short fine leg. Caught by Adel Rashid. Gives it a bit of air. Johnny Besto gives it more air. He wanted six from the last one. He's got six from this one. Johnny Besto on fire. 56 off just 28 balls. So just 48 hours after the end of the first test series since the resumption, the attention now turns to white ball cricket as the world champions England host England in a three-match series at the Aegeus Bowl. And to look ahead to that series, we're delighted to be joined by Ireland seamer Mark Adair, who unfortunately is not going to be part of the um, series, which is slightly ironic, uh, Mark, because you are here because you're the ambassador for Exosuit, which is a compression sportswear that's supposed to help um, athletes. And uh, sadly for you, you've injured your ankle. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit of a tough one, but um, not out for the full series. Just ruled out for the first game. Ah, well, that's that's not too bad then. Obviously, the, the suit the suit's still helping you out a little bit there. Um, can you take us through um, Ireland? Uh, a few Ireland cricketers who I think are quite exciting, but maybe a lot of Talksport listeners won't uh, know as much about. Uh, first is Andrew Balburnie, who. Played for Middlesex uh, back in the day and then sort of had a few back injuries and sort of um, cruised around in his career a little bit, in, in his own words. Suddenly he's become one of the most exciting white ball cricketers in the world, hasn't he? Yeah, no, absolutely. And with him starting to uh, lead the side now, it's, um, it's going in, a setting, in an exciting direction. And uh, Harry Tector is another one. And there's a, f- a few exciting cricketers who are sort of maybe not as well known. For a long time, there was, and you're pro- obviously one of them as well, but there was that long period where we sort of knew who all the Irish cricketers were. They almost had like a generation together. And it's almost like you've got a new generation of the team coming through. Yeah, absolutely. Harry's, um, you know, he sat to make his um, ODI debut um, on Thursday there. And um, yeah, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to seeing him. He's been. He's been really good back home in the domestic structure and in the T20 stuff. So, you know, the sort of the golden era of Irish cricket is sort of, as it's been called, um, you know, it's starting to come to an end and hopefully there's a bit of new blood coming through and we can take us on to new heights. Mark, you're saying there that new blood coming through, there's a little bit, it's actually, Jared will probably um, explain it better, but there's, it's, it's complicated how it works to get to the World Cup where you've got seven uh, test playing nations that are that are that are the bigger nations that you know can qualify, and then there's there's teams, there's two two or three teams from the emerging nations can come um, with the rest of the test playing nations. But this is the first part of the qualifying in it against England. So Ireland will be one of, even though they're going to be massive underdogs, they'll still want to hopefully try and get a scalp when the big guns aren't playing to maybe give them the best chance of of getting some uh, some ranking points. No, absolutely. I think this is um, these sort of games that you know are very important to us. You know, the English lads might not view them as important, but um, 
you know, again, it's international cricket for us. And at the same time, every 50 of a game in this competition for us is very important because, um, you know, it could lead on to the 2023 World Cup and that's something that we definitely want to qualify for. And how important is it for Irish cricket to, you know, play well against England as far as, you know, getting uh, support from back home? Obviously, you, you lost that test match at Lords, but you guys were in that for a long time. I mean, it was your match to lose realistically at that point. So how important is it to come over and, uh, you know, really show that you're, you're a full strength team um, to the fans back in Ireland? No, definitely. I think, you know, the more that we can inspire the next kid to pick up a cricket bat, then the better. Um, you know, grassroots for us is big back home, and the more we can sort of spark participation uh, in youngsters, then then obviously the more cricketers we'll have to choose from, and, and the player pool will get bigger and bigger, and that's something that we definitely need to do. And the, 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 you talk about the, the the kids in in Ireland. It's been obviously it's been a break because of of what's been happening in the world, and it's 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 disappointing that Ireland couldn't get. You know the the first class status up, oh, the, the, some first class cricket into to some of their players. But who from that younger brunch that potentially could hit that 2023 World Cup? Do you think that will you know will excel? You know going into the next sort of 18 months, trying to stick a claim to give them the best chance going forward. Uh, yeah, look, there's there's a number of guys. I I personally think um, you mentioned him earlier, Harry Tector. Um, I think he's just got he's got talent coming out of coming out of everywhere, and um, you know he's got a real good head on his shoulders, and um, you know he's just he's a talented fielder as well. Like so, he's he's definitely someone that can that can drag guys with him, um, and sort of just up a level just from being around him, which is good. And you know the more guys we have like that in the environment, then um, then the better Irish cricket will get. And Mark, for yourself, um, obviously you're a fast bowler. Uh, how have you been sort of handling being in the bubble? Uh, I'm assuming you're still, even with the injury, you're still still locked up um, as we speak, especially if you're expecting to play later in the series. So how have you been preparing and how is this different to how you would normally prepare for an international for Ireland? Um, you know, if I'm honest, it's not hugely different. Obviously the, the volume of cricket would have been a bit higher beforehand and maybe got a couple of more games under our belt. But... Um, Look, when it comes to net, nets and stuff like that and preparation time, we've got all the support we need. Um, you know, we'd obviously like to have a bit more game time, as I said, but, you know, you, you can get your bowling loads up quite quite quickly and quite, um, you know, and try and maintain those. Um, at the end of the day, you only have to bowl 10 overs in a day, so, you know, it's it's not going to be huge volumes uh, as opposed to red ball cricket where you'd need, you know, you'd need those volumes to be up pretty consistently. Um but yeah, look, we've we've been working pretty hard for the last sort of six weeks. Um, you know, although lockdown has sort of hindered things a little bit, but we all have. You know, we've been working hard with our coaches back home, and um, and then we came over here twelve days ago, I think, um, and uh, been working hard here since. And if you could just run me through what an exosuit actually is, Mark, because uh, it sounds it says a great name. Um, yeah. uh, you know, it, it sounds like you're going into war rather than playing sports. So, could you run me through what an exosuit is? No, it's a bit. Of, it's a bit of a yeah, compression garment. Uh, so it's for up top. Unfortunately, I don't have one for the ankle yet. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure that'd be good. Uh, no, it's a bit of a. It's a compression garment that has. It offers a bit of support around the shoulders. Um, you know, it's a lot of guys have problems when they're throwing and when they're born and stuff like that. But you just do feel supported when you're wearing it and. Um, yeah, I I personally love it, and I'm not just saying that because I'm an ambassador because it, but because it's actually been 
been helping me. Um, so yeah, I'm up in the moment. And uh, just on this series, uh, you know, from, from a broader perspective, when, when Ireland get to play the major teams, obviously, you know, you, you were in the uh, World T20 qualifiers not that long ago. And uh, you, it, it's not the same kind of media coverage, is it? It's not the, the same kind of excitement. So th this is every time Ireland get to play England, especially in England, which hasn't happened that often. It's a huge moment for Irish cricket. No, yeah, definitely. Um, we love we love playing against England because it's it's a chance for us to test ourselves. And you know, it's it's all well and good talking about how you want to go about things, but whenever you know you get down to it, whenever you're you know you're trying to chase three fifty, three even higher, closer to four hundred potentially. And you know, these guys are these guys have been doing it against you know some of the best teams in the world, and um, yeah, that's that sort of fearlessness which. Which we we look at, and do you know what part of us is thinking? Right, well, this is the standard, this is the benchmark that we need to get to. And um, you know, I, I love playing against these sort of teams because it does sort of show you what where you're at and and uh, what you're made of. So you know, it's a it's a great opportunity for anyone who gets to play in it. Well, big thank you, Mark, for coming on, Mark's in. Uh, ambassador for Exosuit, the next generation of compression sportswear, giving athletes support and powering performance. For more info, visit exosuit.co.uk. Can I just say that had Harmy had an Exosuit, I think we could have got him up to 500 wickets. Do you reckon? Nah. No, probably uh, unless not. It, you might get me to 500 pints on my elbow or something like that, but I'd struggle with 500 wickets. Nowhere near. But I've just, I've just actually, while you before, just worked out there, Stuart Broad's international wickets tally I think is now 744. And I think that's how many I managed to get in first-class cricket. So it just shows you what a fantastic... I feel as though I had a good career, but it just shows you how good this kid is. You've been... You've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed. Available on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, and now on the free TalkSport app. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 